0: Namaste. So it is a sign of our times that we see different lines of approach through which human consciousness has advanced and progressed over several thousand years, come together in a kind of convergence. Probably the convergence started some time back and initially like when two people meet, there is a Uh, suspicion, there is a tendency to dominate, there is a tendency to be one-up but slowly we see that there is a greater understanding that is growing and healing is one of those melting pots where we see suddenly over a period of last uh, at least couple of decades if not a little more, the different ways or lines that nature has used for healing and humanity has practiced, they are being brought together. Otherwise, if you look at 100 years back, and there are some, I am uh, sorry to say, some uh, modern physicians trained in the allopathic way who with an evangelistic fervor sign out everything that is non-allopathic. And I, am, I remember it almost like a limerick where someone once said that um, I am uh, so and so, I am a graduate from Belial College. Uh, all that is knowledge, I know it. And all that I do not know is not knowledge. So that's one kind of approach which some people have taken. But now there is a greater opening. Partly because um, allopathy is beginning to recognize that there are limitations. Barring a few very hardcore fundamentalist doctors, fanatics I would say. uh, Because (laughs) recently I was so surprised to read on a WhatsApp chat group. Some people... Um, you know there was a demonstration against the vaccine in India and uh, people said that there are different ways. We want to try Ayurvedic method and all. So it was a doctor's group and one of the doctor um, asked that your comments. So one of the doctors said in comment box that they should be just shot down. And uh, the other doctor uh, did it, agreed. So it is a kind of um, scientific rational fundamentalism which is very dangerous because we don't uh, it doesn't come across as rationalism but behind it there is the arrogance of knowledge but fortunately leaving this uh, breed apart more and more people in both uh, mainstream medicine i know of myself of quite a few as well as in alternate medicine there is a tendency now to bring them together large chunk of people are fortunately like that who want to understand what is what and um, We must uh, slightly understand the methods are very different. So, the understanding, for instance, uh, allopathic medicine is based on, uh, they want to observe physically what happens. And it's a very different approach altogether. The pathophysiology, the organ and some uh, alternative medicine people, they get into this groove. So, we have now patent medicine sold, Ayurveda medicine for sinus relief, then homeopathy for Uh, you know, a particular problem, homeopathy for heart disease, homeopathy for hemorrhoids, homeopathy for corona, it came up. Homeopathy doesn't operate like that. So that's not necessary really. Equally, there are, uh, you know, alternate medicine who try to understand allopathy purely on that paradigm. Now, this is a very limited approach, but still there is a tendency for the two to come together. But what we must distinguish first of all is that spiritual healing is not just non-allopathic treatment. This is one of the common issues. So, it, you know, everything from crystal gazing, crystal healing, to horoscope, astrology, to, you know, uh, reorganizing your karmas, to sylvia, these a plant, um, ayuska and what not. Everything is coming under the rubric pranic healing and reiki and all kinds of things are coming under spiritual healing. Spiritual healing, as the name denotes, comes from Spirit. Spiritual. So that which belongs to the spirit and there are two ways of looking at it. One is that the spirit is that which is beyond, I mean spirit is everywhere, but that which is beyond towards which we are moving. So in that context, for a dog, human beings are spiritual because our consciousness exceeds them, at least in certain respects, though in many respects we are far worse, but that apart. On the other hand, for us human beings, the consciousness of the gods is spiritual because that far exceeds the human. For the gods, the consciousness of the divine is spiritual because even they have certain limitations. So one way to look at spirituality is as a continuum wherein there are higher and higher ranges of consciousness which need to be explored in which case, strictly speaking, spiritual healing should be a term Uh, which should be about uh, healing through the energies and forces of the realms which are beyond the mind. Because still mind, rational mind, we already have many systems which are born out of this. So whatever exceeds the rational mind and its limitations, that realm, that domain, higher consciousness if we like, is spiritual healing. Now, does a higher consciousness exist? People often raise uh, such a question. Well, the evidence is there. Since millenniums and not only empiric evidence of countless yogis and and evidence that is verifiable. So that's the beauty of yoga. Yoga is not a religion. It's not based on a belief system that you believe there is God the beauty of yoga is says that you don't uh, you, you can start with a belief but you can actually walk through a path undertake a journey and become one with god become a part and parcel of that consciousness so yoga is not just a belief but much more than that and through the power of yoga one can actually come into contact with the higher consciousness so we must understand here that in these systems uh, which truly can be called a spiritual healing um, we have to undertake the journey of yoga there is no other way to come in contact with the spiritual consciousness. So ideally speaking, only a yogi. By yogi, I don't mean, uh, you know, um, using a swami as a prefix or ananda as a suffix or wearing uh, saffron or white or red or green or any color cloth. (laughs) That's not a yogi. Yogi Yogis uh, often conceal themselves. They don't like to be labeled because it's natural for them to be what they are. But it is yogi in the sense that they are actually striving for union with a higher consciousness. So these are the people who can become truly, either we call as channels or we call them as who can truly exercise the higher consciousness for healing purposes. And another thing which is important to understand here is that this higher consciousness acts in freedom. So the lower down you go, you will see more and more laws, rules, processes. So as we come down, for instance, in the domain of matter, there are far more um, strict rules and laws by which matter is governed. Of course, if you go below matter, below the atoms, you will again see a kind of chaos. But otherwise, at the level of matter, hardcore matter, you, will, you can almost predict things because such is the domain of matter, hard, fixed with laws. Uh, and because we have a material body, that material body is also subject to the strictly material determinism. But as we ascend up, for instance, in the la- level of biology or living beings, we see that the rules become a lot more flexible. So uh, as we ascend at the level of the mind, it becomes even more flexible. And the level of uh, the spirit, there is freedom. So what I want to say is that spiritual healing is not so much about a process or a method one uses. It could, one, it could use a method, it need not use a method. For instance, a person who is living in a spiritual consciousness, and I have seen this happen. There is a time when suddenly one is moved by an inner will, a spiritual will. One believes that, you know, one feels deep within that this person will be cured, should be cured. And all that one has to do is to simply say that, oh, you will be fine you will be cured and it works. Why? Because it is stemming from a consciousness which is very high, which carries within its will the result of its effect. So it is not something which you have to sit for a formal way that you sit and with a kind of mantra and sit in a mudra and meditate for that will to act. That will can act very directly. That's its power. But equally, because that will acts in freedom, so it may not act at all So, this is another part where people get very confused because one of the things that science wants is predictability. So, there was some time back a whole series of studies on God in the ICU, intercessionary prayers and all these things. So, the problem is you want the results to conform to a theory of probability. It may, it may not. Why? As Shravindra put it very humorously, somebody asked him that, Sir, um, I mean, God should succeed always. He said, Why? Why should he be bound to succeed always? What if failure suits his purpose better? And then he adds that the world has advanced through half a dozen um, events which were failures if you look at it from one angle. So it's the spiritual consciousness is vast, infinite, acts in complete freedom. So this idea either it should be because it's God, everything, you know, he's omnipotent. The moment you invoke uh, that entity, everything should be fine and it should be fine instantly. That is the other problem of uh, you know humanity that it wants an instant cure. You know, God doesn't act like a McDonald's or KFC. He has his own way. If you ask Him that I want a body which is strong and healthy, and if you persist, this is um, I mean, half jokingly, half seriously. So if you ask for it, and supposing you are constitutionally a very weak person with all kinds of heredity backlog, now it is possible that in one life things may change. But if you have persisted in the prayer, the beauty is, even if in this life it doesn't succeed. This aspiration goes into your account. And when you come back, you come back with a strong and truly beautiful body. So the divine is not limited to a small fraction of time. What if the divine feels that, you know, destiny is taking us through a passage. As I think the other day we were were reading, that hell is a shortcut to heaven's gate. Suffering is sometimes a passage. A necessary passage. So it's not that God will say, look, I must prove a point because scientists are doing a study and if I don't show up and cure instantly, they may stop believing in me. So I must, to prove a point, I must, uh, you know, cure everybody. He may not do that. He may want that, let humanity go through a phase. Let a human being's faith be challenged to an extreme limit. So first thing important to understand is when we try to understand the ways of the divine mentally, we completely fail and fail miserably We fail both ways One is we fail when we believe that God means all or none So lot of uh, spiritual, so called spiritual healing Capitalize on this You, The moment they put spiritual They somehow believe that we must cure everybody So you will see that all whole list is written We will cure everything From common cold to cancers Now well even God would not do that <laughs> Because, after all, he doesn't really need, frankly speaking, he doesn't really need, he is quite capable of curing everything, uh, if we are just just remain open. But uh, it's not necessary that everything one can heal. So the moment a healing system starts putting something like all or none phenomena, then one must be wary, because uh, that means one has a perfect uh, cure to everything. And I know of healers, sometimes a big paradox. I, I, mean, I know of an astrologer who used to, you know, read palms and predict everything. Uh, so somebody was telling me he was a great astrologer and this thing. So I asked that, could he predict his own <laughs> <laughs> death? <laughs> so you see, it's not like that because uh, uh, we are living in a consciousness which is far, far limited. The day we get a little touch of the divine consciousness, we'll be, literally it's mind-blowing. Because you realize it's infinite and where we stand is so small and we want him to be cabined into our little room of the idea. So we have an idea, God is omnipotent, therefore when we know God, either he is obliged to instantly do things or else there is no God. This is a logical fallacy, so we should not... Subscribe to that Because he is not only omnipotent He is omniscient That's why he knows what is best for us That's why the greatest word of wisdom is not You do it the way I want But you do it the way you want <laughs> And give me the courage to accept it And the serenity and the humility to accept it You know one of the prayers Best prayers I often quote in these, uh, spiritual, in these healing sessions Something which when I graduated from AFMC One of my friends gave it to me And it was yeah, of course, Now I know it's a 13th century prayer and prayer by a Christian mystic. But a very beautiful prayer. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Sri <laughs> Ramakrishna at one point put it like this, that, you know, um, God laughs on two occasions. <laughs> what are those occasions one occasion is when a healer says i am going to heal him whereas god has decided to take him <laughs> but the healer is so confident says i am going to cure him and god has decided to take him so he laughs, <laughs> and the other is when uh, god has decided to split two partners but <laughs> you know the lawyers or whoever are trying to you know patch them up he has decided That look, you know, they must find their own life and their own journey. So, we should not try to, with the mind, determine what is um, the divine action. Therefore, the best channels, if at all, and any of us can be, is somebody who is surrendered to God's will. There is no greater wisdom than that. The essence of true spiritual healing at the end is faith and surrender. Faith because you have faith. Now, faith is of two kinds. One is faith. I have faith that he will cure me. Now, Somebody could ask, that's all right, fine, but what if God has decided not to cure you? <laughs> Why he will decide so he is karuna mein? Well, out of compassion he may decide. Because you need to go through, I know people who have gone through uh, suffering and have been chastised by it. Not that one should make a gospel of suffering, he does not want us to suffer by any means. But sometimes that's a passage which is needed. So true faith is, faith that the divine will ultimately take care in his own way, what is called as Kalyan that well, he will do what is best for us and it may take time and one should wait, learn to wait with surrender and patience. The sign of that is peace and peace is the best condition for healing. So, spiritual healing, the necessity is faith, surrender and a quiet trust in the grace. It brings peace. The moment you learn to accept and, you know, this acceptance is so beautiful. Just imagine there is a far greater consciousness which knows what is best for us, which is there holding us in our arms. And it is not only in this life carrying us through lives. And it says, I'll take care of you. In life, in death, in rebirth and all your lives... What more would one ever want? So, sometimes uh, our consciousness gets very narrowed up in a state of illness or crisis. And if we just widen ourselves, we'll see automatically many things get cured. Psychological suffering, it's so easy to cure. And the mother gives a very simple way. She says, when you go through a a state of psychological suffering because of some events, circumstances... Uh, Attitudes Whatever it be She says Contemplate the boundlessness of space And the endlessness of time And then look at this little moment Which is like a little fraction It's very healing Almost instantly the problem goes away By just widening Otherwise we are too much in that moment Yes that moment is important But that moment is against a background of eternity Forget that background of eternity And the moment appears terrible Forget the moment and only think eternity, that's uh, Vedanta. <laughs> but we are talking about action upon earth. So both are together. So moment, and if the moment is tuned to the rhythm of the eternal, then life is wonderful. So looked at from spiritual perspective, all illness is a kind of disorder. It's a kind of disturbance of harmony, which is basically in, built in the fabric of creation. If you look at it before the coming of man, there's an inbuilt harmony. It's amazing. See, when you look at mountains, there was this, uh, I think, uh, was it in Uttarakhand where this river Mandakni had overflown and Kidarnath, that whole thing, you know, took place. Now, if you look at it from a very large perspective, so you see actually people had started out of greed, human greed, started building, you know, houses, just on those uh, bank, they started. Almost the river was being stifled. So one day the mountain decides, "Let me heal myself. I am wounded. Mountain is a living being, so it wants to heal itself." Now, mountain and the river together they want to heal. Where is human being? It's small little. It's like your house is full of ants, and you want to suddenly, you know, clean it up. So, instead of doing that method of putting salt or whatever, you suddenly clean it with the water. Now, nature acts immorally like that. Many times, in many of these mass disasters, catastrophes, which you don't realize, because we wonder, why is God so cruel? It's not about cruel. That consciousness is not cruel. But it needs to be healed. And when it needs to be healed, when there are human beings who… When we live in the law of the masses, we must understand. Very often people say doing as everybody does is the right thing to do then the problem is that we come under the law of the masses but if we say that i want to choose and do what i believe to be the best then there is a different law that operates so again spiritual consciousness doesn't act uniformly it has an infinite plasticity within it like nature so it's not like you know nature will act in the same way everywhere It doesn't act like that. There is a deeper wisdom with which we need to be aligned. So this is one way of looking at spiritual healing. And I am sure there are many who will talk about different aspects of it. Wherein we understand there is beyond the mind a greater consciousness, which we can ascend through aspiration, through tapasya. Tapasya is a very interesting word. The moment you use the word tapasya, you think of, you know, the TV-tapasvi. Uh, he has to wear a dhoti. I don't know why. What has this dhoti got to do with tapasya? I mean, except for the comfort level, you can wear a comfortable jeans for that matter. Or he has to sit in a certain posture, bold straight. And there must be a dhanda and there must be a, you know, kamandalu. Of course, in ashram, we have replaced the kamandalu with tiff- <laughs> carriers. <laughs> and the voice is enough for the dhanda. You don't need... <laughs> So, uh, anyway, the the point is that it's not tapas. It has nothing to do with any of these things. If you look at the word in its origin, what is tapas? Comes from tap. How do you generate heat? It's so, so scientific. Heat is generated when you compress the molecules in a small space. That's what. That's how heat is generated. Pure physics. Compress the consciousness energies that are fritting away in all kinds of things. And you see it is... Top is created inside. That heat is tremendous. It needs a way. Ordinarily, everybody has a certain amount of heat which is generated. But but after some time, it grows cold. Either because we, uh, you know, WhatsApp is one way to, (laughs) modern way to receive and exchange heat. Receiving is okay. I mean, see nice things which uh, give you tapas. But, very often, you know, useless chat chatter. So, Speech is a way to throw away a lot of energy. This is one of the, um, you know, I am saying for myself, okay? So, (laughs) no, this is okay. But uh, wasted things gossip about, you know, meaningless things. So speech is one of the ways we throw away the energy. We can look at this entire thing as an energy system. And then we understand that what is tapas? Tapas is to conserve the energy and give it a direction. So conserving the energy is through concentration. But concentration is not enough. One may sit for hours in a state of concentration. But where is the direction of that energy? It could be the ego. So we see that Ravana and Hirana did a lot of concentration. So much so that we have images when you look at television. Childhood, you know, it's so fantastic. Hirana is standing on one leg... With two hands up and you wonder, what's wrong with this guy? And if he's doing such a big tapasya, why God has to you know, destroy him? Well, because his tapasya is only for the ego. So, concentration is only to gather the energies. It's first part of tapas. But the second part is to give it direction. So, with concentration goes renunciation. Release things which are... You know, like any fuel, if it is very heavy fuel, you can't, uh, the rocket can't fire in space. There are special fuels which are needed. And along with that, more important is aspiration. Aspiration gives direction to concentration. So, very often when we use meditation and concentration as a technique, what we are doing, possibly we are accumulating energy, but the next moment that energy is at the mercy of nature. So, aspiration is the key to. Ascend from one, st- one level of consciousness to another. So, <laughs> it is this aspiration, this prayer, which is combined with concentration. They must go together because by concentration, I we gather all that has gone around. And then consciousness increases. Then we, by aspiration, we turn it upward. Then with that tapas, we break free from the mental planes and enter the higher planes of consciousness. And that Later on, we become a channel. And even becoming a channel is not easy as that. Because one may ascend to greater planes of consciousness. But take an example of a simple thing like speech. So what does it mean? One may ascend to a great level of consciousness. But one may not be able to communicate anything. Why? Because the instrument is not ready. The brain is not ready. So when it receives the light, see, there are yogis, great mystics, realized beings. But they can't speak. But look at Sri Look at Swami Vivekananda, they set the heart on fire. The reason is that these are instruments which are so perfect. I mean, look at, sometimes I just wonder look at the mind of Shurubind, just the mind. <laughs> Can you imagine? And the whole life, in the beginning, at a very young age, he learns Latin, Greek, French, English, and of course, later on, 32 languages. What kind of a mind which has. Uh, Red things of the west, red things of the east, it makes it so supple and vast. Perfect mastery over language. So this is the kind of uh, mind which becomes such a perfect channel of the divine, provided it is surrendered. So we see everything in Sri which makes the mind such a perfect instrument. But supposing there is somebody who cannot control speech, who gets angry, blurts out in anger. Now such a person may yet realize... A greater thing. But he won't become an instrument of the divine speech. Simply because this instrument is not tuned. If one has really practiced this kind of becoming an instrument of speech, then you won't let even a passingly, you become so conscious that even passingly a word which is false, false means stemming from a false consciousness, it will automatically stop. Suddenly, words which are degrading and I am not even speaking of that, Nobility demand that we don't, uh, you know, have that. So there is one is the finding that consciousness greater. Second is becoming a channel. Everything can become a channel. Hands can become a channel. So now one can start using it as technique. No, even eyes can become a channel. Spiritual healing doesn't demand that you have to use the hands in a certain way. Yes, certain areas are very sensitive. But there is nothing more sensitive to... Um, release the energies of the soul as the eyes how do people get healed when they see a great master I mean there are examples of Shirobindo just looking at the person and doing what is needed because the eyes are the windows of the soul and they can end the spiritual person who is truly living in a greater consciousness will not uh, see and say okay come I am going to do this method technique no he is free person he probably just looks just smiles or simply says it's okay So, you don't know what it means. It's okay. I mean, I'll give an example of Nalnida that someone was going through an emotional problem for two months. Now, it's not that always it will happen and with everybody. But one example, how spiritual healing can work, free of all methods. So, uh, this person told Nalnida, I have a lot of problems I'm going through. I need your help. So, Nalnida said, okay, come tomorrow, write everything and come. So, whole night... He sat and wrote this, that. Have I missed out on something? Have I missed out on something? 35 pages worth of letter. And then he came and uh, now he is waiting for counselling. So he wrote the letter and gave it to Nalnida. Nalnida took the letter, put it on the side, took a blessing packet said, go. Now he said, (laughs) he stood for a while. Something he will ask, something he will read. Nothing. nalita is in that state. Go. Then you have no choice. He says, I turned back and as I crossed the threshold, everything was gone. Like a load taken away. And this is an experience I'll tell you. I can share with, with uh, a little bit of my experience with regard to this. And this I'm sharing because this is something which all can practice. You don't have to go to a spiritual healer. And if he's, you know, charging you good amount of dollars, please be careful. A truly spiritual being doesn't take money for healing. Why? Because he knows that all healing comes from the divine. So, how will he sustain himself? He trusts that the divine will give him what he needs. Yog, shema, vahamayam. Two. <laughs> See, I, this might believe that teachers, educationists, and healers should not charge money. But I, I believe that, you know, uh, God looks after. So, at the most, keep an offering box. Those who want to put an offering. And trust me, more will come than you can imagine. So, there is even in Ayurveda verse. Uh, and the verse is like this, that till there is prana in the kantha, the healer should heal the patient, not give up. But equally, it tells the patient, free yourself of all that you have received from a healer before you leave the last prana. <laughs> Because he'll continue in lives to come Because it's a transaction which takes place like that So coming back to that experience Very simply What is after all spiritual healing? Contact of a greater conscience with the body Why do you need a priest? Why do you need a mullah, kazi, anybody? That age is over Directly Does the divine say Have you done a hundred dollar course? Will he say that before you knock at my doors? Have you gone to this fellow? Done this course? He doesn't ask any of these things so I'm sharing this experience. Sometime all of us go through difficult times, challenging times. So I also went through a difficult time. Uh, must be, I think, 90s. Yeah, 90s, early 90s. So um, I didn't know what to do. So I, I just felt like writing to mother. So I just wrote like exactly 35 pages. Mine may be a little less, maybe 15, 20 pages. And I still remember while writing drops, one of them teardrop coming on the ink and simultaneously I am seeing all that and a catharsis and everything I wrote and just posted trust me the problem vanished as if it never existed now I tried to think about it that what was it and how did it go so then next time I tried something new and this time it was another illness now it was physical illness I am sharing this so that you know we understand we don't have to it's not about learning a method or having a course so, next time it was having a uh, physical illness, real illness, huh? not just a, a problem or t- difficulty of another kind. So, in that physical illness, so what I did, now it had reached a point where literally um, I thought Ki, I'll make a will. And I called everybody concerned that, and that will is still. <laughs> Still lying somewhere. I said, okay, I'm making a will. Something happened. No, no, you should uh, get yourself surgery and all that. I said, surgery, I'm not going to go. I'm bit (laughs) rigid in that matter. In that day, that time. Maybe now things will be different. But because entire energy was sapped out because of that illness. So I started writing every day a page. So in the page I'll write, Ma, I have this uh, little pain here. It starts like that and uh, ma i have this uh, today it was like you are talking to a physician so what do you do physician takes around every day god takes around every time <laughs> he doesn't say that i am not on call tell another physician he's all the time present so i wrote <laughs> and trust me i wouldn't have even written 10 pages The diary is still somewhere lying and was all gone vanished without any medication, of course, sometimes you may need to take medication, but this was like a magic, it disappeared. Grace, last um, 18 years or 17 years and it just vanished. So there are ways by which we, basically spiritual healing is coming in contact with the higher consciousness. What does it do? How does it work? Very simple. Higher consciousness doesn't have to read a textbook and say, are you having sinusitis? Okay, wait. God will say, wait. I have in my docket a special kind of force which will help sinusitis. That is the way of the mind. He has only one force. And that is the force of the Divine Mother. So he simply says, doesn't matter, it's a force of harmony. So what does he do? He simply sends a force of harmony. Now, if that disorder is very deep-rooted, it takes time. Sometimes we have created mess in our lives There is total chaos Outwardly, inwardly, like you know Draw to everything reflects the chaos But all chaos is for a new harmony to build <laughs> That is that's a trick you learn After some, observing God's ways He breaks the harmony, He builds a new harmony Not the old harmony, it won't be the old harmony It's a progress If you want to get back to the old harmony Then you are falling back so that's something you learn later. But the thing is that when there is a disorder, for whatever reason it may be, it doesn't matter. It could be, uh, call it bacteria virus, call it ill will, call it adverse force. It, names don't really matter. But for the divine, all that it does is sense a force of harmony. So what does that force, and these are conscious forces. They automatically arrange things because that force knows exactly where to go and where to set things right. You know that story of the mother when she visited a department and in the department she goes straight to a cupboard. Now these people, what they had done, mother is coming. So they had put all the trash in a cupboard and closed it. Very convenient. And everything else is pick and span. So she go, comes straight to the cupboard and opens and everything falls out. And the man is very embarrassed and said, Mother, how did you know this? said, they were calling me. They were calling me, the things that, see how he has kept me, see how he has kept me. So many of us have created a chaos inside our being. Forget disharmony. Disharmony is a very mild word. <laughs> chaos, thoughts in a world of chaos, all kinds of contradictory things. Contradictory wills, contradictory feelings. And therefore, disease is a little prize. What does disease do? Disease... We are ill at ease. It's the first pointer. Things are not right. We ignore it, then it becomes disorder. Order, order. (laughs) So there is disorder. If you don't, then there is inwardly now chaos has started. If you do a test in uh, laboratory, even if outwardly everything is fine, you will see all the parameters are going out of control. I am not recommending any test because all of them are now motivated you go for asking urea and creatine. They will say, sir, there is a package for 5,000 rupees, <laughs> <Uri>. <laughs> And the way it is sold is amazing. And all kinds of tests which are not really needed. Sorry, I don't take anything from uh, the medical company, so I am fine. I can speak of this. But this is how it is. So, But there is a disorder which has started. See, visible diabetes or visible heart disease is much later. It is taking place at a functional level. Things are not in tune and it starts declaring itself in very subtle ways. Unease here and there. Then the next level is where it throws up symptoms. So symptoms are just a tip of the things. So what most of us do is take care of the symptoms. So you control diabetes by using medicine which will lower blood sugar. What has happened at the level of the disorder? It is there. So what happens with most typical things? You, you have diabetes, you use medicine. Diabetic person is fine, very thankful to the doctor. After two months, there is cholesterol added up. I'm not joking. Try, see the history. So after that, after one year, he says, I am little breathless. So you do an uh, NGO and you discover there are blockages. Hypertension. So, that's because at the level of the disorder, things have not been healed. So, what about these? some of these alternating healing systems? I don't want to take the name. But everything which is non-material is not spiritual by default. Spiritual is higher beyond the mind. But mind domain itself is very large. Vital itself is very large. Just as even at physical level. Is allopathy the only way? No, there are allopathic, ayurvedic medicines, there are herbs, there are plenty of things which can help. So material domain itself, the divine has provided or nature has provided such wonderful healing things which carry within themselves molecules which will help us at the material level to set things right. At the level of vital energy, we have not even explored but many of the people have explored this. And at the vital level, you have all kinds of energy healing systems which will correct the symptoms But does it mean that they are healing from deep within? No, because vital doesn't have an idea of what's going on inside. But you will feel better. There is a feel good, just like allopathic medicine. So even many of these alternate healing systems, energy healing system, they tell you, you have to come again and again. Which is fine if you want to do it. But don't call it spiritual. Spiritual is only when the vital is connected to the higher Shakti. No. Yes, if there is a yogi who is doing it, by all means. But ordinarily, no. All kinds of things under the rubric and the umbrella. It's like every person who says I am a spiritual person is not spiritual. It's not like a default. Everybody you see is sitting in meditation for two hours, has read a lot of granthas. Doesn't mean he is spiritual. It may be nothing but a gigantic ego. Then at the level of the mind also, we see many systems with just, just mind-body techniques. Sometimes a thought, a powerful thought, I will be fine. As a young um, um, doctor, young is still intact and doctor is also intact. But way back, just after clearing my MBBS and joining, I observed something very interesting Um, because I had got into the habit of smoking. So I was trying to cut down and it got cut down to two or three cigarettes a day. But I was finding ways and means to justify the smoking part. So I saw that not everybody who smokes uh, lives short. And anyways, there was no fear of death. So, you know, that is a big problem. But I observed actually that, because I observed out of necessity, you know, that it's not true. Yes, 30% will have um, a problem, a high likelihood. But there are people who live long. Then I started actually observing that what makes them live. So I saw there are people with a natural gust for life. They have what is called in India Jiji Visha, the will to live. And very cheerful predisposition. And somehow they go through life with all 101 problems. But they go through it. So I realized that boss, it's not just about smoking, but something else. Of course, smoking is bad. Of course, smoking cuts down your life and it's not a... But there are many more... Things than just one aspect. So when we ob- take up one aspect and give it all importance, which sometimes we tend to do, unifactorial. You have an illness because of this. Khatta corona chal raha fashion So for everything, from a sneeze to everything, you have corona. Poor fellow must be saying, <laughs> spare me everything. Even if you detect me, it doesn't mean I am the fellow who has <laughs> made you uh, fall down. You yourself are the author of your pain But whatever it is So this tendency There are many levels at which disequilibrium takes place And you can correct it at a physical level In which case at the energy level it continues It will just change roots You can try to heal at the energy level But yet the basic disequilibrium continues Because your attitude, lifestyle, your way of life, your understanding Nothing has changed Or you can correct it by the mind Mind can bring lot of order But because there are a lot of things which escape the mind completely, therefore it will remain incomplete. So spiritual healing is to go beyond the mind or rather to invoke a force. Not everyone can go beyond the mind because tapasya required is, um, you know, and the grace and it's a sadhana. But surely everybody has a right to invoke God and the higher consciousness when in distress. The Gita talks of four kinds of bhakta, artha, when in distress… Call him He will come I, w- I can share a very um, Again experience Which I have shared uh, With people This just because You know It's like In your own life When you see something So My wife had a strange Head injury I mean very bad The way she reached Nursing home Some auto rickshaw fellow He could have taken her To general hospital And you know It was a question of Touch and go Why he saw Why he felt ki Probably ashram And why he brought To the ashram nursing home it's itself surprising because had she gone to GH, I would have lost. I wouldn't, I mean, why would you think that there is a problem? But she had an accident and the, she was unconscious. So he brings, and when I saw her in that state, total state of misery, so I prayed to mother. I just sat down and said, Ma, um, I can't understand a thing because all other doctors started taking care. And I said, uh, She has to be cured. And uh, that time, because of that intensity, that uh, connection with mother is much faster. And she says, What if? her soul has decided to leave. I say, I don't know. You are beyond the soul (laughs) and the soul's will. (laughs) You can override the will of the soul. This was exactly my prayer. You can override the will of the soul. And then I felt a deep peace inside. A feeling as if she has smiled. She was taken, she recovered grace. And those that time, CT scan and all they had done, they said, it was as if, Entire thing, what could have been a massive bleed Multiple fractures in the skull Many bleeding points As if everything has got arrested Just before it is entering into a dangerous zone So, I mean, of course There are two ways Purely medically one may say, well, chance That's one way to look at it But somebody who has invoked the spiritual consciousness Has equal right to say it is because of the uh, invocation at least you can't say it is unscientific because the person invoked the spiritual consciousness. Not that it is always necessary to invoke. Maybe deep within there is a cry. Even in unconscious patient may cry. We don't know. We look only at the surface. And the consciousness comes. So, art. So, spiritual healing is not about going to a person, learning away. This is a very modern, uh, multi-dollar uh, business thing. No, it's not like that. Just a simple heart of a child, art. Help. He is not going to say, are you a believer in me? Which religion you belong to? What mantra have you done to call me? Nothing. Just art. You are in distress. Whom do you call? You call the creator. Because it's his creation. And he comes and heals countless instances. I could just multiply a host of instances. But we don't have time for that. Not necessary. And because when you are in an art state, you will call. And then there is Artharthi. You can simply say, God, I don't know, but you know, I am not well, please help me. Does it mean that you don't have to go to a doctor? You can go to a doctor. He can use any method and no method. This idea that it is either this or that is the invention of the mind. One can. He can use anything. The body may need uh, uh, some physical this thing. Support. It could be a chutney or a churan. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Green chutney, this will heal you. Take it. Of course it will heal you. And when you pray to the divine, invoke it and take it, that may this heal me. So wonderful. It's not like either or that I'll sit and either I'll sit and meditate. And now what happens with such people? They are not fully in faith. So they invoke and then they are not sure whether they are doing the right thing. Next day it doesn't. And then there are always people, well-meaning people. Doctor, are you okay? (laughs) One week, your cough has not gone. (laughs) So then again, you know, doubt may come in. Am I having this? uh, What is that? uh, What's all kinds of mucor and all this, mycosis? Am I having? And a doctor's brain is the most fertile brain for morbid imagination. So, sometimes somebody gives you a physical thing. The body has faith in it. You can take it. Not that I am much for it. But if somebody needs, it's not like you have to sit and then get tomorrow, should I take it? Should I not take it? Take it and have faith in the grace. Artharthi. Of course, there are other things where a yogi directly ascends to the greater consciousness. So one thing we must know and with which we can stop. There are many aspects to it. I barely touch the fringe. But we must understand that when we are in nartha then there are beings who are actually turned to the divine, not just for help or refuge in these matters, because they want to grow in the consciousness of the divine, what is called as yoga. And there is a very beautiful phrase in the Gita, and I have seen it works absolutely much more than to the letter. And the phrase is, now of course it's a catch slogan of LIC <laughs> originally it's the divine slogan huh? please so he says Yoga Shema Vahamiham so I take care and responsibility of all the things including material of those who have turned to me so when we turn to the divine to grow one with the divine to serve the divine when we love the divine then he has his own ways He is the most benevolent and perfect healer we can ever imagine. And what is most important, since long, long back, he has a free scheme running through life. And we are afraid of that scheme. (laughs) That scheme is complete organ transplant free of cost. We call it death. Namaste. But death is the soul's opportunity. If you look at it from the divine's point of view, even death is a passage, it's not an end. Okay. Namaste. Any questions? Most welcome. Yes. So surrender, how to go about surrender? Start with a general surrender, which means I hand over my responsibility to you. Now what does it mean When I hand over the responsibility Let's say there is a guide Taking me through a journey Life is a journey So when I tell a guide That look here Now my life is in your hands Take care of it Now When I am going through a passage And the guide says Sir don't go through that passage This is a better passage And if I tell the guide No no You take care of me I will do what I feel like What would we say We'll say it is stupidity. Sometimes we confuse stupidity with surrender. Surrender does not mean I'll do my will. Surrender means I will do your will. But since it is difficult for us to know the will of the divine, therefore we have to use something called as remember and offer. It's very difficult. Some people want to know what is the will of the divine and they you know can go to any extent. Should I eat rasgulla or not eat rasgulla? I mean... So, it can go to any... No, it's not... Okay. Actually, somebody came to ashram, Dilip Kumar Roy. And he said, in your ashram, you allow rasgulla and tea to have tea. So, I am fine with this ashram. So, it's it's okay. It's one way to look at it. <laughs> but to somebody who asked, your I want to, you know, Guru, I feel a strong desire to eat crabs and lobsters and uh, any sanctions. He said, well, eat your desire. So... The point is that we start with a general surrender that now my life is yours, my destiny is yours. But it also means at the same time implicit. Like when you go to a doctor, there is an implicit contract. And the contract is that I have come to a doctor, now I'll listen to what the doctor says. Supposing you come to a doctor and say, no, no, I don't want to take medicine, I don't want to take your advice. I just came to tell you. (laughs) So what will the doctor say? Of course, some uh, people like it. I am quite okay with. Patients who come and say, I want this medicine, as long as it is not toxic, I mean, it saves my time and it, the person has faith, fine, it's okay, <laughs> it heals you. As long as it is not dangerous. Huh? But the other aspect is, if you go to a doctor, implicit is that you will listen to the doctor, isn't it? So when we go to the divine, I mean, you can argue, you can discuss, no doubt about it, you should. But if you have a, a priori denial that I am not going to take, what you give me. So when we surrender to the divine, it means I am ready and willing to listen to the divine and to take the guidance and proceed. Now this guidance comes in two ways. The easier way is the scripture. We have the word. You read Gita. Gita tells us how to lead a life. Why you should not be angry. bhavati samoha. It says that if you are angry, this is what will happen to you if you get into a state of too much moha this is what is going to happen it tells you a way how to come out of it so there is the scripture then there is the living master living master is the tailor made guidance you go and tell but many masters don't they will just say do more meditation that's how they will say or you go by any master whom you can really trust and you start or every master has said something you know even jesus that time there were no printing press but you have the New Testament where he does say certain things. So follow. With Mother and Sri Aurobindo, the beauty is, they have themselves written to make sure that there are no amendments. And fortunately, there are no commandments. <laughs> so the guidance is so beautiful, suited to our own times, written in language we understand. So this is the scripture. So read the scripture. If you read Mother and Sri Aurobindo about practically about everything. Health, healing, everything, way of life. They have beautifully, with all the scope for plasticity and freedom... They have given us a way of life Obviously we can't do it in one day It's very difficult to have that obedience But the will should be to move in that direction That's what surrender means That I accept what you have said I am trying and keep trying Now the mother goes on to say That well you can't do it with your own effort So ask my help So again mother I am trying but I cannot get rid of it Like as I said my cigarette smoking I tried for two years I tried But could not go below two and then one day suddenly first darshan of the mother picture and I hear a command quit smoking and it dropped. It just went away. Stop smoking. And it just went away completely without an urge after that. So the divine help is there all the time. So the divine doesn't say okay you, uh, you have surrendered now listen to me. is not like that. It's a beautiful relation. We have to develop a relation with the divine. It can be a relation which is very humorous. It could be a relation as a friend, like Arjuna. He, was, he didn't listen to everything that Krishna said, but he trusted him and knew when to completely leave. And at all crucial moments, finally said, Okay, okay, I'll do what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. So it is a relation we develop with surrender. It's not a passive state. It's a very dynamic state. That You tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. Then there is another way which is to go inside and seek the divine guidance. That's not easy. Because we start our journey with ignorance and it takes a lot of time, quietude to know the divine will, no preferences, itself is a tall order. So the via media is, for surrender is, remember and offer. And before we act, we must see what is best, highest in the light of reason with regard to our goal. It may or may not be the best thing from the highest standpoint, but do a bit, but offer it to the divine. So why? His knowledge overrules our nascent's. So you are basically saying that look, I am doing not not I am not doing this out of arrogant, I'll do my will. No, I am doing this because I feel this is the best. But I don't know, Lord. You know better. I am in ignorance. So what he will do? He will make us aware of the ignorance. He will change us inside. He will take care of all the consequences upon himself. So this way when we go proceed, then slowly that first surrender becomes a detailed surrender. So surrender is not a one-time act. Oh, I have surrendered myself to the Lord. <laughs> it must go into every detail and a time will come when even, uh, literally, you know, you are breathing and you get conscious that, you know, why am I breathing? Why am I living? So you want to surrender the act to the divine. So it can go to any extent. So there is a general surrender and then there is a detailed surrender. And it's a process. And then there is the complete surrender. When there is a complete surrender, then there is nothing to be done because then the divine takes the entire sadhana in his hands. He will lead us in his way and his ways are incalculable. Surrender implies that I don't judge the divine by my mind. Why are you taking me through this? I thought I had surrendered to you. You seem to have suddenly taken a you know, penchant for snatching away from me things. So he will say Look here my child You know These lollipops are very dangerous for you (laughs) See them from a distance Don't try to eat them Lord you are going to do this to me Yes yes Because you don't do tapasya I am going to make you do tapasya So there is a carrot hanging there Which will never come to you (laughs) So you do tapasya Lord has his ways No he will make you do Don't have to worry He will make you do uh, when you surrender like that then so when there is the complete surrender ultimately he will do his bidding with you but one must be full of faith faith is implicit in surrender you can't surrender to somebody and say i doubt you <laughs> imagine telling a doctor look here you know i don't believe anything of what you're going to say but treat me so doctor will say go to the next door fellow when you pay 1000 dollars then you will believe this is the problem of man because God doesn't charge money. We don't believe Him. The priests charge money, so we believe Him. This is our problem. So this is in nutshell, the way of surrender. Yeah. Remember God's name. Call His name, Her name, whichever way, whatever way we feel connected to the Divine and do your acts surrendering to God with His name upon it. Surrender the results of the actions and be full of trust. Because you have turned to the Divine then he knows best. It's his problem, his responsibility. Okay? Thank you. Yeah, except that the belief part, I mean, it's not just a belief, but a faith. And uh, if it is something which is done by reason, then it's no more a faith. But a reasoned belief, we can use the word. And it's okay, it doesn't matter. So divine doesn't, uh, he understands just as we are. But the very fact that there is a will to believe in the divine is a sufficient starting point. Next is, read, meditate, walk the path. Then slowly, the light of faith will awaken within us. Don't discard the journey, keep walking. It doesn't matter. Even there are people who have doubts to begin with. I mean, it's not a good thing to indulge into. But we will have that to start with. But as they proceed, the light of the soul grows. Basically, faith springs from the soul. It doesn't come on the mind or the white. No other part can have faith. Faith is a unique baptism of the soul. Faith, aspiration. So that when the soul awakens, faith will come automatically. When it will come, let the divine decide that. But meanwhile, keep coming in contact with the divine in whatever way. Read a scripture, go to a place, uh, do some meditation, pray. One day, because of all this interchange, the soul will open its eyes and then faith will be born as naturally as uh, we breathe. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so uh, going beyond the mind, there are two ways. One is the way of tapasya, which I already mentioned, that the energies have to be concentrated and not lost in the mental and the vital and physical causeways meaning thereby these energies are not meant to debate discuss animated discussion uh, you know it's not meant for that this energy is to be conserved and conserved and turned upward in an aspiration that's what tapasya is about and it implicit within this tapasya is that the mind cannot know spiritual things so, when we conserve this energy, we concentrate it in an aspiration to the beyond and this aspiration can take the form of a divine name, it can take a string of words or it can be just a state of consciousness, doesn't matter. You may simply say that I want a higher harmony, a greater uh, love, a deeper peace. It can be addressed to a divine being, hey Krishna, hey Krishna, uh, ma, 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 it, it doesn't matter which way but concentration and aspiration uh, for a greater consciousness is the one way. And the second way is where we go through the heart. Where we don't go as much as we try to come in contact with the divine through the heart with love and faith. But this is not something which we can force our heart to do. It's like you can't force somebody to fall in love. But by coming in contact with the divine, again through either reading, swadhyaya, by camps like these, meditation, meditation, prayer, going to places, coming in contact with people who are walking on the path, one day we may cultivate this devotion and faith. Then no tapasya is needed, but just that uh, constant surrender, constant name of the divine. Then the divine takes care. The the principle is that when we come in contact with the higher consciousness, even now, because all is spirit, at the greatest, uh, highest level, all is spirit. That's why spiritual healing can be in everything. But right now we come in contact through mind, vital, physical, all the layers. But we can come in direct contact by simply loving the divine. When we love the divine, then he comes in direct consciousness, contact with us and our consciousness begins to be moulded. Automatically he will make us ascend. Because that's his nature. He will say, come, see my home. Imagine if, you know, you may not uh, undertake a Kalas manshur over journey because it's very difficult. But imagine if Shiva comes and says, come, let's go home. Will you say, sir, uh, how much uh, will I survive? Not sir? Will you ask these questions? <laughs> You'll say, come. That's it. If Krishna calls, will you say, sir, where is vrindavan one? Please give me the address. I have to leave the one. Does the, which mobile network works there? You won't ask any of these things. You'll say, hell with everybody else. Let's go with Krishna. So same way, when we come in contact with the divine consciousness, it pulls us to its home, which is also our home. And that's beauty and that's love. So, these are the two paths Shubhendra describes in Savitri in uh, book 2, The Heavens of the Ideal, where he speaks of these two ways that one can go. One is the deathless rose through the heart, and the other is the deathless flame through tapasya. So, we can do it through tapasya, we can do it through surrender. And they are not exclusive of each other. That okay, I am now a bhakta, I won't do tapasya. Or I am going through tapasya. I can't surrender to God. Do both. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get the question. And I know that it's a very uh, slippery slope. It's something which I I believe should be. I understand the constraints of life, but uh, I believe it like that and that's how I have at least uh, practiced in my life. That is one way to look at it. But our transaction is not with the patient. Spiritual healing is all with the divine. Ah, record it. So spiritual healing is basically, we are just channels of the divine. The person, we are not entering into a, that kind of karmic transaction with the person. As far as we are concerned, it's just the divine who is healing. We don't even take credit, nothing. Because the moment we enter into this transaction, then we are forming karmic bonds, on the contrary. So, the better way I personally look at it and I know people who do it um, is to have an offering box and you leave it to the person and leave it to the divine so that there are no actual karmic transactions. Very frankly, there should not be. So, um, uh, But yes, there are probably a household to run and those are different things and that we should then admit that, look, you know, that is the reason. But if possible, one should try it. I... The people whom I know, I know it works very well. If you leave the offering box somewhere outside, and you don't even know who has put what and leave it to the divine to take care. That's the ideal state. But I am not saying that everybody should do it. I mean, it may not be possible. <laughs> yeah. So what was the other question? Yeah. My second question was… You were... Yeah, yeah, certainly it was a deeply emotional state. But uh, I have that kind of relation with God. <laughs> I, I, that's the thing See it's the kind of relation you form So when you have that kind of relation And who knows I mean I put it like this See I'll tell you the deeper reason behind Any such thing When God Accepts your proposal And does not dispose it of Means he does what still is needed So what happens through death Death is a changeover It's a rebirth So when you pray that the person should not die. Overwrite. So what is the soul wanting to change over? And have a new life. She can give a new life right in the very body. And that's exactly what happened with her. Okay. So it's like, that is understood. And when you have a relation of friendship with the divine, it's something very beautiful. You can tell your friend, isn't it? So yeah. yeah. asked because uh, I, I wanted to know, did we tweak the soul's path by asking? Yeah, yeah. So that won't happen. Divine will not allow that. And even if it seems like a tweak, that is the highest Vedanta. Even there, not in this context, but another context. Sometimes it may look that the soul's path has been tweaked. But if you look at it deep inside, you will see that tweaking was also done by her. Because she wants now, this this soul is going like this. I want a little bit, go this way. But if you are surrendered, if you don't forget the divine, see the path is everywhere and in everything. You can walk in the pit of darkness and be with the path. And it may look to somebody else, it may look like, you know, not just tweaking, but a fall. Tweaking is still okay. (laughs) But then when you discover, when you go through that hell and you emerge, then you see a conquered territory which you had never known existed inside. It's a conquest. And that would have never happened had you, uh, you know, not allowed outwardly some people live by the mind and they say, no, this is dangerous. They are are like, you know, uh, uh, they have a whole list of very consentious, over-consentious. So the whole life is about list of don'ts. Do's are very little. So as a result, divine accepts that and he takes them through that because he will uh, take you through that Path which you are. But in your destiny, at some point, you have to confront those portions of your consciousness, which uh, because of our over sense of virtuosity, we don't want to confront. There is a very interesting, at one point Mother says, you know, virtuous people, they, they want to eliminate from life. All that they think, uh, their idea of perfection is that only a set of virtues. So they want, uh, in the end, they have nothing left. Because, you know, you start eliminating from life. I am giving an example of what looks like tweaking because the divine is everywhere when you live with that state of consciousness. So, a virtuous person is very difficult for the virtuous person to go through those states and those territories which are regarded as dark and dangerous. I am giving an example. So, uh, not that you know it's a prescription for okay, do anything and everything. But there may be a time when uh, the divine knows that you are ready because you are mature enough and you can go through a dark state and emerge fully Like the Mahabharata So he says come Let's plunge If he asks you consciously You will never accept it So he tweaks it in such a way That you trip And as is so beautifully Described in Savitri Random seems the way There is a meaning in each stumble and fall So he makes you stumble Now again we should be very careful Not a justification for falling But you stumble And you fall And you fall into a ditch And you say What is it? Now, if at that moment, if you don't have the state of division, but a state of unity, and you say, okay, you are here also. Come, take me through this. You will realize, he will smile and take you through that. And that will be a tunnel dug through emergency. That's how he describes. It is a tunnel dug through emergency. And when you come out, and I am saying something real experience, not just a book knowledge. When you come out, you realize that there is so much you have gained A kind of energy which was locked and blocked You see, that is the story of Bhima You know how Bhima's Bhim Sen became so um, powerful? You know that story? When he was little boy Duryodhana gives him poison at the behest of Sakni. Look at the ways of God So, uh, otherwise he is strong But you know these people conspire, give him all this And finally, they drown him in a lake nearby or a river, whatever. Now, as the story goes, Bhima goes to Naglok. Naglok is nothing else but the subconscious realm. So, he has become unconscious. If you want to look at it from the medical point of view, he became deeply unconscious. And submerged in the whole waters means world forces. That time, he is so unconscious that any force can attack on him. So, all these forces came to attack him. Nagas, Naglok i am giving it a little modern understanding otherwise it looks like a myth now when they came to touch him they realized that he is kuntiputra he These these, uh, you know somebody whom we know very well so these forces recognize even the serpents they will recognize you are shiva's child so what will they do they will give you something so all these nagas gave him told him you drink this potion what is that potion that which you drink when you have gone through hell, Anil Kant, And then it, when you come out, at that point of time when he came out, he had the strength of 10,000 elephants. And that process was so important. Yes, that process was so important. Would it have ever happened in Bhima's normal senses? No. Bhima would not let them touch. So look how the divine arranges the whole thing when you look at it from the unity consciousness point of view, he makes him, every being who has ever emerged, uh, you know, with any touch of the, that greatness and glory in life, has gone through hell. shobindo goes on to say that, you know, for winding through hell turns the heavenward path. They have gone through failure, they have gone through all kinds of things. Because without that, you don't gather a strength which is lying hidden in the cover of darkness. That's why you see people who are very righteous and very virtuous. Many of them are not spiritual. Simply because they live in a narrow bandwidth. But when you go through that trip, that stumble, again, please don't stumble. And don't misquote me. Pandi told me to stumble. Dr. Saab ke lecture was bahut acha hai. Nahi. If you do fall, don't be disturbed that you know, oh, soul is lost. That is dangerous. That is dangerous. Guilt is dangerous. Despair is dangerous. That you should not allow. They also call God Karnathovayena. Every territory is her territory. They also say, Jagan Mata, you are everywhere. She will come, and then when you come out, you will have the 10,000 elephants. Okay, so that's how it is. So while I understand, in fact, nobody can really tweak the path. If you see from the larger standpoint, it is all done in a deep, deep plan. Random seems the way. Oh Narad, random seems the way through which we can close with that. Oh Narad, random seems the way. Random seems the way. Savitri, book 6, canto 1. So, we'll just read those lines and you'll see. Srivabindu brings... That's the highest law of karma. On the lowest level, it's just an outer transaction. As you go deep inside, it's energy bonds. As you go still deeper, it's consciousness bonds. If you go still deeper, spiritual links, then it's a part of the single plan. Got it? Wow. (laughs) It's such a joy, no? When you suddenly remember a line... So Ashupati answered to the seer, Narad. First Ashupati asked him, Is then the spirit ruled by an outward world? O seer, is there no remedy within? But what is fate if not the spirit's will? After long time fulfilled by cosmic force. But Narad answered, covering truth with truth. O Ashupati, Random seem the ways along whose banks your footsteps stray or run in casual hours or moments of the gods yet your least stumblings are foreseen above. This is the greater truth. Infallibly the curves of life are, are drawn. See this was fated that I will pre like. This is the play. So He says, Zion, do your role. It helped, it helped in many ways to release a kind of energy of love. So many things happen, no? Infallibly the curves of life are drawn, following the stream of time through the unknown. They are led by a clue the calm immortals keep. So this greater truth is known to to the deeper will. Namaste.